You're listening to the Why Europe podcast by Greater Europe Mission, where we explore how God is moving on the continent of Europe and how you can be a part of it. Visit gemission.org to learn how you can join us in prayer, partner financially, or potentially serve in any of the locations that we discuss. My name is Nathan, and I recruit, mentor, and send missionaries for GEM. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode with Lisa Myers. Lisa has served on the field in Austria for over 30 years with Greater Europe Mission. In this episode, we really just begin to tap into what God has been doing through her and through her ministry for the past three decades. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Nathan. So greetings from Vienna, Austria. Yeah, I've been with GEM 32 years. I've been on, well, 30, 31 years, 32, 31 years in the field, 32 years, I think, with GEM. And, uh, oh, how God called me. I was um, not planning on being a missionary. I loved English. I was a, um, a journalism major at the University of Texas. And, um, and I love communicating. I loved being in the world. Um, I think I was the only Christian on the, the, um, the newspaper back then uh, that was at the uh, University of Texas. And, and so, but during one of the last summers before I graduated, uh, I, I always knew I wanted to be exposed to missions. And uh, at that time, Jem had an old program <laughs> called Euracore. They've changed the name now. It's yep. uh, the 10-2 10 project. 10-2 project, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's right. And, um, but back then it was Euracore, and it was a very good summer program. A lot of seminaries knew about it, and, and um, just a, a, a great opportunity for the missionary to go to the field, to do some work with missionaries that are on location, and then to see the rest of Europe and some of the areas that Jem was involved in back then. And so I mm-hmm. knew before I graduated, I wanted to be exposed and to that. And so I, my background is German. My grandmother used to use low German to us kids. And uh, so it just seemed to be the right fit to go to a German-speaking country. Back then, there were only two wow. going to Austria, Vienna and Graz. There were two teams. So I signed up and, um, yeah, went for the summer. And I think I kissed the ground in Chicago when I landed. <laughs> I was so glad to be back because, <laughs> you know, it you reduce your language skills, your your communication skills. I mean, I had I had university level German, maybe two semesters, so I right. could maybe order a coffee coffee, but that was about it. And so anyway, that was the that was the, the back then just getting to Austria as a Eurocore. Well, forward, fast forward six years later. Um, I had stayed in touch with some of the people that I met door to door, and I stayed in touch with the missionaries. And six years later, mm-hmm. when I came back to Europe, just as a vacation time, um, mm-hmm. the Lord really called me. I came back to Europe. I actually wow. visited Austria just for a few days, and it was a very strong pull. I had already had a job by that time. I was working in communications um, for a small advertising firm in Fort Worth. Uh, and then I had gotten uh, a job in marketing communications with Burlington Northern Railroad, now Burlington Northern Santa Fe. And, um, yeah, I just I knew I had been reading the scriptures through the, the calling of Moses. And it was this sense uh, that, wow, I think my whole life is changing. It was with an invitation. That was really important to say. I think it's important to say for yeah. missionaries. Um, the missionary that was on the field at that time he picked me up and. Uh, I was just going to be in Austria for a few days. 
and in the um, I was having a tea and coffee. They call it Yauza in German. And he asked me, he said, Lisa, could you imagine coming to Austria and just, you know, ministering to the, the women here? We have, we find that women come to Christ uh, faster than men. Uh, could you imagine doing that? And I just, uh, I kind of brushed it off. And my Austrian friend who was with me, she said to me later, she said, Lisa, did I understand right? Did you just get a job offer from from Greater Europe Mission? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. It's not a job <laughs> offer. It's, it's, I would have to mm. quit my job. Yep. I'd have to raise support. I'd have to get money from other people. Right. And I had a very small church at that time. So I just said, no, no, it's not a job offer at all. And mm. so she said, and I, I said, so that would really be hard. And she said, oh, you are right. That would be most impossible. Well, mm. that night I went to see, I was like, well, not really. It's not most impossible. I mean, if God is in it. And at that time, he started working Amen. on my heart. And you know, Nathan, there wasn't anything since that time in my life that was such a strong call. I, I mean, God took it step by step. I wrote to the mission. Back then, we didn't have, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a laptop. I just wrote to the mission. And, you know, I'm, I'm in Europe, and what do I do if I sense God leading? And uh, the mission responded, great. Just said, you know, let's let's talk. They had already known me from my Euracord days, so there was some connection um, and it was just a, a real strong call, and that has lasted this long. Hasn't yeah. changed. Been wow. ups and downs, and, and it's yeah, always sure. been a, a, a challenge. So, but that was yeah. the that was Austria, and it's always been Vienna, Austria. I've been in, in uh, ministering in the local church in Vienna since I've been since I've been here. Yeah, amazing. And it started with a short term journey, a short term experience, yep. and I love that. That, and then you you yep. go back for. You know, for for pleasure, and then the Lord calls you. Then I, that's yep. that's so funny to me. I I think the the progression of that seems most impossible. I'd say because you've seen the switch from how support is raised. So I I basically my my whole support journey has been I, I send somebody a link and they can give online, and that's kind of the mm-hmm. you know that's kind of the the format that we use now is giving online, and really we don't. Not, not many people write checks anymore, but how did you approach people and how were you gathering <laughs> funds to go to the field in the 90s? Um, what did that look yeah, like, they used, support raising? They used uh, stone tablets back then. <laughs> 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 oh, man, that was, you know, that was hard. That, yeah. was a, um, that was, that was, a, that's one of the first major challenges of the call, I think, is Definitely. really to say, am I, am I called? I am really thankful um, Jem has, I think, done a, a better job since then. But I had a friend in my local church that worked with uh, Wycliffe. Uh, I was from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And Wycliffe was in Duncanville at that time, SIL. And they were offering like a, a, a weekend uh, support raising seminar. And right. so I kind of, they adopted me. I was like, you know, from this other mission organization. But I, I went and they they gave me a word picture that never has left and I use it all the time. And it was, it's been helpful to me to talk about finances because finances are always like, you know, I've got to raise support. Yeah. Will you support me? Um, they use this word picture of an extension cord Mm. and they said that missions is the extension cord. So I'm going to give to you this. This is free (laughs) from Wycliffe. I receive it. Um, it's, it's an extension cord. You've got the local church and in, you know, back then it was North America or you're sending, you're sending agency or you're sending country. And it's that, that one side of the extension cord. And that extends to the, 
to the national local church wherever God has sent you. And and because not everyone can be sent and not everyone goes, but you are still connecting the churches. And that is what the missionary does. Um, I mean, I know we've got the, the agency and the mission sending agency, which is really important, but the local church is still very important. And yes. so when I had that word picture, uh, it was much easier to talk with people and say, you know, I know not everyone has this call. And some people, you know, feel called to other areas and, and they have different vocations. But um, if you want to share in the work that's going on in Austria, and what's really exciting is a lot of Americans if they do their DNA test, which now you can do, you know, before it was just right before the trial for uh, OJ Simpson with DNA <laughs> before oh, wow. I came, but now you can, now you can do your DNA. A lot of mm-hmm. Americans have European background right. and um, do. they might have a passion uh, North Americans. I'm talking now about, you know, I know our mission has changed and now we're just not North Americans, but right, right. that's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the North Americans, have a, a, a leaning to Europe because of their heritage. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we can say, you know, we're going back and, mm-hmm. and we're supporting the church there. We're helping out. Mm-hmm. And so it was the hardest thing to do was raise support. I lost my voice when I, I quit my job and I got a bad cold and I lost like my voice for nine months. Wow. Um, and so I usually I kind of sing and I was able to kind of do a little bit of ministry in the church. But because I lost my voice, I couldn't sing. And that was a real, real hard time. I mean, you really see a lot of dying that goes on when you first sense God's call. Um, yeah. And that's what happened. But uh, he provided. And it's always the the principle is almost always the same. The first one that supports you or almost the first one that it comes from is not what you expect. Um, exactly. I was working at Burlington Northern at the time. And uh, a, a man had heard about the fact that I was quitting my job. And he said, are the rumors true? And I said, what rumors? And then he said, well, you know, that you're going to be a missionary. And I didn't even know, you know, I didn't know him very well, but he had heard of me. Anyway, he worked, he was doing a Sunday school for the largest church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at that time and asked me to come and speak to the Sunday school, which was an open door. And some of my first supporters came from that Sunday school, an, an adult Sunday school. Yeah. So it is, yeah. yeah, it's a challenge, but it's, it's uh, if God, I was always encouraged, if God is in it, he'll provide. Right. And that's that's always the promise. Amen. Amen. And it's man, I just commend you because it was it's not easy back then, it's not easy now, but I've heard it said before, a lot of people are ready to go to the mission field, but they're not ready to raise support. And yep. it it definitely is it's not who you think it is who's going to support you. Like nope. I've had random strangers who are People I never met in my life are some yep. of my biggest supporters, some of my biggest prayer mm-hmm. supporters, financially, yep. prayerfully, and you know some of them even spiritually, you know, encouraging me and stuff. And so, uh, yep. so that leads you to getting on a plane and going to Austria. So obviously, you had a tie to Austria, um, mm-hmm. but the question of why Austria, why Europe initially? Uh, what would be your response? if someone asked you why Austria or why Europe? Yeah, it was a natural leaning. Uh, um, mm-hmm. My background was German speaking. Yeah, my uh, right. grandmother's parents came from Berlin area. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so there was a natural leaning. Um, and I look back, it's kind of weird. 1976, 
I was 11. So you can start doing the math. And um, mm-hmm. it was the, uh, the Innsbruck uh, uh, Olympics. And uh, I was 11 years old and there was a, there was a, uh, an Austrian skier named Franz Klammer. And he won. He had this yellow outfit on that was just like a yellow neon that everyone saw. And I remember when I was uh, then 12, I had to do a report on a country and I picked Austria. I was 12. Now, I wasn't thinking of being a missionary or anything like that. Right. When you look back, I think God's leading is always in hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> it's always never for, ahead of time. It's always. So I did this thing on Austria. So I kind of knew about a little bit about the country. I did a little report. Again, I was 12. But I remember Franz Klammer, and I remember then Austria. And when Jem was going to Austria, then when I signed up, it was like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's where Franz Klammer lives, you know. And so um, I just wanted to do a German-speaking country, and I ended up in Vienna. And so it was God's leading. When you look step by, step back and you see it, you see his leading and his, his uh, guidance. I also didn't go to a seminary. Back then mm-hmm. in the mission, it was I was kind of an oddball. I didn't have any formal training. I mean, thankfully, I, I did some night classes at Dallas Seminary, um, and I kind of squeezed those in to say, you know, I had a couple of hours, but I, I didn't have any formal training. I was, I was a journalist that worked at the University of Texas, which was a liberal school, and then I worked in advertising, and then I was a journalist, which is like liberal in, in the United yeah. States back yeah. then, still is, still is, um, yep. and that was my training for Europe because I landed in Europe and I, I love talking to the non-Christians. I was used to, I was used to atheists. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't intimidate me. I didn't, I had, in that sense, I had their language already. I worked with a lot of, a lot of people that, that were very kind and conscientious and caring, but they didn't believe in God. Mm. And so they weren't, they weren't unusual for me. And, and I think that was helpful to me. That was my training. If I had yeah. known I was going to be a missionary, I would have gone a different route. I would have gone to the Bible school. I would have Same. taken all the stuff or, or seminary. I would have done what I thought I should do. And I would have learned German better, <laughs> but yeah. I didn't because God used other training in my life. I yeah. mean, thankfully back then I had a very solid um, background in the local church and I'll, I'll shout out to the local church at Dunning Park Bible Chapel in Michigan until I was 12. And mm. we just learned the Bible inside and out, learned uh, by people that loved the Bible, loved the Word of God, still do. And so I'm thankful for that because that was in me. And so, mm. yeah. And I, I can heavily relate to that because if I would have known that I would be involved in mission, you know, uh, Right. As as a missionary, I definitely would have taken a different route because, you know, I I graduated with a music business degree, said that I would mm-hmm. never work in a church, said that I would never be a missionary mm-hmm. uh, because I my heart was not in the right place. And man, the, when the Lord got a hold of me, when he became Lord of my life, everything changed. And when I read the Bible, I was like, man, was God is a missional God. And so mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's really powerful, too, being in, you know, the quote-unquote secular world because that's where we're right. seeing some of the most passionate Christians because they're engaging mm-hmm. with the world daily. And when you grow up, there there is a lot of significance and a lot of good things about growing up in a Christian household and a good solid church and a Christian school. But at some point, it becomes a bubble that we have to burst. And 
a lot of the mm-hmm. times, I, I'd say for something like Eurocore or for like the Ten Two Project, we see that happen. You know, a lot of these Christian, uh, these Christian young adults, they grow up in this, in this bubble or this Christian community that's never been challenged by the world, and right. obviously in the world, not of it. But at the same time, we're called to make disciples, and not everybody knows Jesus, and so going out into the world and practicing those things. I think that's super valuable, and it just sounds to me like you, uh, it, it was the right place for you, and it was, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And so, it's we cannot do your time justice in an hour podcast. The thirty-two years that you've been involved uh, with, you know, just trying to be the light of Christ to people overseas. But you, you've expressed to me in some previous conversation that there are. A couple of lessons, like life lessons that you've learned while you've been on the field. And yep. so I'd love to dive into those. And so this first one, I'm just reading it. Wherever you are, yep. be there. And I would love for yep. you to just express <laughs> what what do you mean? I, I obviously it it may look simple just by reading it, but I'd mm-hmm. love to hear your perspective on it. Yeah, well, I got that. I think every missionary, and this is something too that that um um young missionaries always painfully have to learn totally um after after a few years on the field or maybe even a year or two there is some kind of test i don't know theologically if it's from god or he allows satan to do it or if there's just but a lot of times it's health issues a lot of times it's marital stress issues sometimes the children have learning issues and but anyway there's this test of saying you know um are you gonna still follow me i mean maybe maybe it's that way in in every area of christian discipleship but and that's what happened to me after a year and a half on the field i had to go back to the states for surgery and it was a pretty it wasn't very uh fun time in my life and my parents had retired to Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, which is a retirement community. And I went back uh, at that time to recover. I got surgery and recovering. And all I could think of was going back to Austria. I didn't want to be in Arkansas. I didn't understand. I, I didn't want to be there. And right. um, they, they asked me if I could help out um, with the, uh, the retirement community was having a bingo day. And they asked me if I would, would come and help the women and men move their little things on the bingo cards. So, um, I just, it was a long story. Yeah, again, it's, it's a long story, but I was there helping them. And so I just wanted to do conversation with some of the older, uh, attendees there. And I just said to this one woman, I said, and where are you from? And I thought she would say Chicago or, you know, whatever. And she just said, I am from room 201. And I was like, well, that's not what he like meant, you know, but she knew where she was. She knew she was in. I wanted to have a conversation with her about was she retired teacher or was she, but she knew she was in this retirement home and that was her room number. And I was the same kind of conversations with other people. So when I got back, there was some kind of, when I got back to Arkansas church that I was involved in, one of the pastors gave a message on, and then I think one of this one sentence was wherever you are, be there, be present to where you are. And I realized that this woman in the retirement home was more present to where she was than I was. All I wanted to do was go back to Austria. And that was kind of a escape wow. for me. And so that was really at the beginning of my ministry that I had to learn 
to be present to wherever I am. When I'm in the States and I'm ministering to the churches, I have to be there. I'm listening to them and their um, heartaches, their um, tragedies, and to be present to them there. And when I'm in Austria, to be present here and not to be always connected to the United States. And I think that was a real helpful lesson back then Mm. um, that I learned in a bingo game at a Mm. retirement community. Mm. So that was Mm. wherever you are, be there. Um, We're not, this is not home sweet home. And to to be present to, to God and to the people that he puts in our lives and not always thinking it's so easy to think it'll be easier if I were back in the States, you know, and if I just get back or if I do this or do that, and and it's important to just be present um, right where we are. Yeah. And the pressures of life are really heightened when stress and like, I guess, just being outside of our comfort zone when it happens. Um, So like, I guess Mm -hmm. for you, Austria started to feel like home after a year and a half. And I guess, you know, going back to Mm -hmm. this place that you just left, was probably really tough to for a surgery, you know, and you know it's it's yep. probably really confusing because it's like it's like the Lord puts you know for for my wife and I it's like he he whenever we go cross culturally there's different languages there's different styles of I mean different just people and how they do life and driving on the on the opposite side of the street or different food and just. Yep trash maybe everywhere or something like just like different cultures and like how different places mm-hmm. operate. And so I feel like the mission field is a pressure cooker for a lot of the oh, people, it is. for a lot of people. And because yeah. so many of these things are heightened because your your entire environment has changed and so that's definitely not where I was thinking you were going to go because I was thinking you were going to say where I was in Austria and I was struggling with, you know, wanting to go back back quote unquote home. Nope. But I, oh. I'm sh- and yeah, it was the exact opposite. So I love that perspective. Wherever you are, yeah, be present. And you know, the Lord well, tells think, us. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say to me, it's important um, to still honor the churches that support us. And yeah. um, I think my desire to get back to Austria was kind of an escape. I just, I had the surgery. It wasn't pleasant, but I was doing okay. It wasn't life-threatening. It wasn't cancer. And so to, to I just wanted to get back. And God had me there for a reason. I was with my parents. I was able to spend time with them. I was recuperating. And he had me there for a reason. Also being mm. involved in the church, that church still supports me. That church has been supporting me for almost 30 years now. Oh, and so. God. Um, to really realize that um, we have an obligation, and that's also a, it's a hard thing. I don't, you know, it's another another burden that we have as missionaries, but to honor the people and the churches that are partners with us throughout Definitely. these years, and not to just say I'm I'm in Austria or I'm in Europe, I'm doing my thing, but when we go back, to be present to them. Yeah, and um, and that's a challenge because it's this, yeah. And so when I'm here. Um, it's also that challenge is to be present here and to say, wherever you are, be there. You know, there's yeah. uh, right now, my family is in a situation. My parents are much older. My father's health is failing. And, mm. um, I heard from my mom last week and it was really good to hear again. She said, Lisa, you're in the right, you're in your right place. And I'm in my right place. And boy, mm. to have a godly mother or father that doesn't give you the the guilt complex of saying, well, if you were only here, wow. um, but to recognize there's something a lot more going on than just having us 
near them. So that's that's also that fits with wherever you are. Be there. Yeah. And so right yeah. now I'm still in Austria, and um, and there might be a time that I need to to go back. But right now that's where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. The Ministry of Presence, and I'm sure yeah, that's right. After after thirty plus years, Austria definitely feels like home. Yes. At this point, yeah, yeah. it's. It's a it's a mix, you know. I always think it would be a great mixed culture if I could have some of the Americanism here and and some Austria and America. Um, but I I feel this is my home. I have an apartment here. Mm-hmm. I live in Vienna. Um, the public transportation is great. You know, when I'm back in the states, you have to drive everywhere. So yeah, uh, yeah, yep. I've made this my home. Yeah, yeah. And something that I love that you said earlier on was you were invited. And that's a big lesson that God has been teaching me recently is going where you're invited. And you yes. had this statement of working working with the willing. And so yep. I think that's a really important <laughs> part of, of, I guess, this call. Um, it's not the end-all, be-all, because sometimes we go where we aren't invited, but we go because the Lord is calling us. But I think in this, in this cultural context, and just for me and in my experience, uh, it's always... It's always been a more pleasant experience, and I've always seen the Lord work more when we go where people invite us. And so, uh, yeah. and it's really tough to work with people who don't want to, who aren't willing. And so, what what are your thoughts on that working with the willing? Yeah, that was a principle I learned years ago, and I'm still using it. I love building teams. That's one of the things that I do in Austria a lot, building up teams. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't talked a lot about my ministry yet, but... Um, one mm. of the things is I've sometimes in, sometimes invested time and energy trying to encourage people who honestly don't want to budge. They just don't. Yeah. And I think they somewhat enjoy having me around trying to get them to budge. You know, I, um, and um, there are always those who are willing. Sometimes they're not the most gifted. Sometimes they think I'm not the most, they're not the most gifted. I remember a colleague of mine told me one time that the leaders that we want to lead, the leaders that are willing to lead and, and, and go ahead, okay, I'll do it, are not necessarily the leaders we want to develop. Um, we really want people mm. that are more hesitant, that are more cautious, that, that say, you know, I don't have much to give, um, but I do love mm. the Lord. And yeah. I love developing that. I love developing those people because it's a hard attitude. So to work with the willing, but when you first come, I think you think I've got to work with everybody, you know, I've got to, and I got to get a team together. And so, um, and some people will get together because they like you, you know, and they think it's cool to be, you know, on this team, but in the end, um, are they really willing? Are they willing to, to be involved in, in God's kingdom? Are they willing to make a sacrifice? Um, and so after a while I realized I was putting a lot of energy into people. I just didn't want to really weren't that interested. And, and the thought was, if I stop, they'll fall off. I mean, if I stop encouraging them and, and then I thought, but then they're in it for the wrong reason. And so Mm -hmm. that was a principle that I've used a lot through the years. Um, And it's, it's hard. A pastor one time in a church situation um, asked me to, you know, go after a young man that was very gifted and say, you know, you could encourage him to be on the music team. Well, he wasn't even coming to church. And I said, well, you know, I've, I've tried, I've encouraged him. So he just didn't want to. And then I finally said, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to. I've tried. And I, and um, then I said, I use this in German. I said, you know, I think, I think to just work with the willing is what God has asked me to do. And, and the 
pastor looked at me, he goes, do we have that luxury? <laughs> I'll never forget. I was mm-hmm. like, well, I hope so, because that's all we got is the ones that are willing. That's what Jesus, he, he worked with the willing too. So Right, right. Because he's always moving and he's always working and he's always... Yep. He's always intertwined in our relationships. And so I guess on the opposite side of that, have you had, what's your experience with people who may want too much control? So, because people are different, people have different opinions on the mission field. You put it as letting go of the rope. Yeah. Well, another thing that I wasn't prepared for when I came to the mission field, and I I was a pretty good communicator. And after you get into the language, um, you do eventually learn to communicate as you do in, in English. Um, and so, um, but I wasn't prepared for the conflict and I know everybody says this, um, this was not conflict with missionaries. This was not conflict on the field, but it was conflict in the local church. Mm. And Mm -hmm. in the end it felt, and I didn't know until afterwards. So I'm thankful for my colleague who is now with the Lord, Joe Ziska. He was a gem, uh, missionary on the field. And, um, I, I was in this situation with this person in the local church, and it, and when I look back now, that's what it was. It was a tug of war. It was exactly that, like you do at camp, you know, and you've got two teams, and you and everyone's dug in, and it was a yeah. it was a tug of war. And so, like you were saying, control, and um, I sensed. I didn't know that's what it was, but I sensed I need to just get out. And so I. I, it was a role that I was in in the church, and I, I called him up, and I said, you know, I, I've been praying about this, and I I just, I need to get out of this role. I, I knew that. I sensed it. I didn't know. I didn't use the word tug of war or anything. I just knew I needed to change this role. I needed to get out of this role. He, he was very upset, and his his anger surprised me. I didn't know why he was upset, because I thought, maybe I, I expected him to be disappointed, or or um, but he was upset. And so I went to Joe. And I said, I don't understand his anger. I mean, I just said, I can't do this role. It's too much for me and it's too hard. And Joe said, Lisa, have you ever played tug of war? And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm in a camp all the time. He said, what happens when the one team just lets go? Well, of course, the whole other team just falls, you know. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's what you did. You let go. You said, I'm not going to do this role anymore. And you let go of the rope and it caused him to fall. And that's unpleasant. And that's why he got angry. And and then he goes, don't you understand men at all? <laughs> I was like, no, I guess not. Not really. I was like, I'm sorry, Joe. Thanks for explaining that to me. Um, yeah. And I realize now, and I have used that a lot in discipleship and in helping people get out of situations where you don't see a, you don't see a, a, an open door and it's a conflict. Let go. Just let go. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means, however that looks, let go of the rope. Uh, the other person will n- not be happy at first, uh, but you step out of the dynamic because that's we're not trained enough. I don't think we're trained enough about group dynamic, church dynamic, people yeah. dynamic. And so in, in conflict situations, sometimes it's good to just walk, take a walk, walk, you know, walk it out. You know, just when I love American baseball, you know, just just brush it off, brush it off, walk it out. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, of those those uh, those phrases um, that are helpful. How do we handle yeah. conflict situations? So letting yeah. go of the rope is one of the first things um, I've learned. And we just have to let go and, right. and learn. That's right. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's a great perspective. Yeah, because the church is so beautifully complex, and you're probably right. We mm. don't have enough 
groups training and we don't have enough because how can you prepare for everybody's different family of origin and everybody's different experiences with God and everybody's different convictions. Yeah, you can't, you can't. And so no. I think that's a great, a great perspective. And so obviously yeah. you are heavily involved in your local church in Austria and mm-hmm. we would love to, I would love to personally learn more about other ministries that you've been involved in. You wear a couple of hats in Austria. Mm-hmm. So obviously one of them being serving your local church. What are some other other avenues of ministry that you're involved in? Yeah. One of the most um oh the most special ministry that I love and I I still love it. I've been involved in it over 20 years. Um mm. we call it befreit Leben in German, which means living free if you directly translate it, but it's not always a great translation. It actually comes from Open Hearts Ministries out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. So it's a it's okay. a, an actual uh, ministry to men and women okay. who have been abused as children. And I mm. fell into that because I was so frustrated in in my um, doing Bible studies in German with women in our church, the local church that I was in at that time. Um, and I would drive home frustrated because I didn't think I was getting through to them. There was, I, we would have eight women and four of them were really frustrated with God. And and I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with that. I, I didn't think I was frustrated with God and I didn't know what to do with it. Well, then I heard I also, in this time period, I was writing, I write my own music. I've always been a, a writer, and I brought, of right. course, my guitar to the to Austria, but I didn't think I would be using it. I mean, that's that's another thing. I didn't come to Austria to be a musician. Um, mm. And But Austrians like the, they like the sound of the guitar and the coffee shop atmosphere. So any musicians out there that love Jesus with a passion have that. Uh, it come it it really fits well over here in Europe and mm. um and so I would just do my own songs and explain them and there was one song called Flower for Today and it was just a real pretty song and it's you can get it on Spotify or Amazon or or um, uh, uh, Apple Music and and it's uh, called Flower for Today it's inspired by a woman uh, that I knew very well and just about um, really wanting to see God in our day to day lives. And I heard about this group uh, that had been using that song as like their motto song. And I didn't know what group that was. And then I heard it was a group that kind of looks at your woundedness as, as, you know, as a child and kind of goes back. And at first I was really um, reluctant. I thought, you know, that's not, we got to, I'm like Paul, you have to forsake everything and focus on Christ and, yeah. and forget the past. And and yet there was something about it. I thought I'd like to at least meet this group. And so I did mm. and um, met the, the women that were in charge. And I was so impressed with their authenticity. They were such real people, real women. They acknowledged some of the pain, some abuse that they had. And, and so what I love about this organization is they focus on two things, the, the, um, the dignity of man. Uh, we have a, an, an innate dignity because we're created in, God's image were image bearers, and that Im- that that image is 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 um, often scratched on or shattered um, by abuse, and and then because we've been abused and because we have reacted in in certain ways, um, we develop as adults strategies. Um, we develop them as children, but then as adults we have certain strategies to keep ourselves from being hurt again. Well, these strategies also prevent authentic fellowship with ourselves and with each other and with God. So long story short, I got involved in this work as a, a regular participant 
I was 38 at the time and I thought, I don't have any wounds. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm single. Uh, I don't have any wounds. I'm still single, but I don't have any wounds. And then later mm-hmm. on, I was like, you know, I guess I do have some wounds. Yeah. Um, you know, not all not all my dating experiences turned out well. Um, and I, I had some wounds that I needed to look at and to really say they have shaped me and some of them um, I need to acknowledge. And so I got involved in that work. And then I was very humble. I thought I could never lead a group. And one of the women said, that's exactly the kind of attitude that you need to have. And so I wow. have really had a burden and a call again from God to to build this. Um, it, back then, it was a very loose organization. It wasn't even an organization. And uh, I co-lead the country. I'm one of the country leaders for, for Befreit Leben in Austria. Wow. Uh, that's also an, an area where we need missionaries. We need missionaries in lay counseling. And I really oh. want to emphasize that. Because we need, we always say we need counselors, and um, but lay counseling tends to multiply a little bit easier. You know, if yeah. you're if you're a trained counselor, and I, and I love trained counseling, we we send our people to trained counselors. So mm-hmm. there's absolutely nothing I, we need trained counselors too, mm-hmm. yeah. but we need lay counselors that are able to teach the national church. You know what? If you've been wounded. Um, you can help others and with the comfort that you've been comforted, you can comfort others. And that's what we need. We need to train our people. They can do this too without having a doctorate uh, in, in uh, therapy. And so that's why I emphasize lay counseling for this ministry. Uh, but yeah, so Flower for Today was that song and it started off almost 20 years ago and, and now I've been involved in it. We, are, we, we, uh, we have really expanded. We're in um, almost all of the provinces in Austria and Germany has their own team. I was just in Germany last weekend uh, and they are expanding and also in, the, in Switzerland. So in the German speaking world, there's this great ministry that's going on to help uh, people um, get healing from some of their woundedness. And it's a wonderfully quiet ministry because it's uh, confidential. And so, you know, if I meet yeah. someone that I have done a course with, it's not something like, hey, and they'll say, how did you meet her? And I can't say, oh, well, she was in this group of mine. You just say, well, it was with some kind of a Bible study or something. Yeah. So yeah. it's a real, that's where my passion is. My passion is really, and we have, I have more, you always hear on the mission field, we need to develop leaders, develop leaders. There's all kinds of things. Well, in uh, Hope for the Wounded, I'm one of the only, one of the few. There's only an, there's another Canadian missionary. Canadians count, uh, so she's Canadian. Um, <laughs> but there's not there's not many um, uh, missionaries involved in this work. It's all Austrian, and that's great to mm. see Austrians in leadership, Austrian leading leading groups, Austrians yeah. uh, training other Austrians to lead groups. So I'm I'm oh. really I'm excited about that work, and that's uh, that's something that's really um, yeah. I can talk about that all day too. Oh, that's our heartbeat too, right? We want to see yep. Europeans helping Europeans, you know, mm-hmm. with the hope of that that they meet Christ. And so that's Absolutely. amazing. So in Jem's model of leadership, we do LDC. So are you is your strength develop? Is that your strength? That is. You'd say so? Okay, yep. yeah, great. So are you yep. develop, lead, care, or develop, care, lead? I, I would I would assume yeah. care would be your yeah. No. Your second. <laughs> no, no, okay. Not, no, care's not. <laughs> Okay, wow. That's what's so funny. And it surprises a lot of people because you think someone that's in a, a, a ministry like Hope for the Wounded mm-hmm. uh, would be care. A lot of our Austrians have that. But um, by developing, the, the strength of developing is, is you know, okay, how do we multiply this? I'm always thinking, how do I, you know, if I, if I learn something, I want to know right away, how can I take this into German? How do I contextualize it? 
um, developing leaders, uh, encouraging yeah. leaders. I'm a star. That's one of my gifts is encouragement. Uh, then in leadership with, you know, setting the course, I've, I've got the, the vision. Um, I'm more of a vi- visionary um, in seeing down the road. I see a lot of potential that people don't tend to see. Yeah. Um, that always amazes me in a church. I'm like, you know, oh, I see in five years this person could be there. And they, the one guy looks at me like, I really? <laughs> Just like, yeah, mm-hmm. I see it. You know, mm-hmm. if you invest in time. Yeah. And then there's care. Yeah. And the reason that care is probably the lower, my co-leader for Hope for the Wounded in Austria, uh, she's more of a care person. And yeah. the difference between us is she she just automatically will call one of the uh, Hope for the Wounded leaders. Hey, how you doing? And, you know, we haven't heard from you for a while. She cares for them. Yeah. She knows more about them. I am the kind of person to say, you know what? I haven't called them in a while. I probably should call them. I probably should do that. It doesn't really come naturally, even though I'm compassionate and I I care, but it's not this, I have to, so even with lead developed care, it's my struggle. Yeah, Um, me too. So we have, you know, we have those, those, right. And that's completely okay. I recognize it. Mm -hmm. My co-leader is a little bit stronger in that area and, um, and it's just, but yeah, it's, it surprises people, but no, I'm not that kind of person to say, I just have to. Mm I just have to, um, I should call them. I need to say, oh, I, I need to do that. And it's like one of the last things I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's a good word. It doesn't come naturally for us. And I think it's okay that it's our struggle because, you know, the body of Christ, one body, many members as, as scripture right. teaches. So yeah. And the, the aspects of care, it's more than just emotional support. I love that it's, you know, no connect, provide, protect, you know, we're, so I think right. you are, it's, it's not that we don't care. It's just because care is my struggle as well. I'm lead. Lead is mm-hmm. my strength. Develop is my stretch. Uh, care is my struggle. So um, yeah. it's not that we don't care. It just doesn't come as naturally for us. So uh, yeah, thanks mm-hmm. for sharing that perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah, really good. And you mentioned earlier that you brought your guitar to Austria without <laughs> intent of using it. And now you know, you're writing songs and you've even released music while you've been... Yep. In Austria, so please share more about that. Yeah, oh, as a amazing. musician, I'm I'm very interested, and I yeah. I love the heartbeat behind that. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, it was I lo- you know, I was writing songs before I came, so I knew I would be writing yeah. songs. Um, I wasn't the guitar player on the praise band at all. I didn't know mm. the the worship songs. I came from a tradition that was more conservative. Um, okay, and. Um, you know, the role of the woman didn't quite know what to do if, if she had a gift up front. So I really, I did some camp songs and stuff like that, but I was not at all in the, the scene, the worship scene of, of the 90s. So when I came in the early 90s, I didn't know any of the songs. In fact, our field leader knew that I had a guitar. And so he said, you know, hey, can you just lead us in worship? I couldn't. I didn't know the songs. I didn't know, mm. and and uh, and I couldn't read music. I wasn't that kind of a musician. I I learned by hearing. Um, yeah, is that how you say it? Learn by hearing. <laughs> that sounds kind of funny. Yeah, learn by, by ear. ear. That's by the, ear. There yeah, you go. By ear. Yeah. My, mm-hmm. my my metaphors get a little bit mixed after thirty years. You know, I'm up a tree. Without oh, totally. A of German. Um, you can't directly <laughs> translate German and English, or really any language. No. I mean, there are things that you say in French that just don't make sense in yeah. English. Like, yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's right. And I, I really prayed for good English uh, during this interview because um, I sometimes get really stuck. Yeah, so I came over and 
Um, but before I could learn the language, people, you know, knew I had the guitar and I, I did sing my songs and they liked my songs. They had, they were songs about me and God. They were songs about my family. They were songs, um, and they liked them. And so very early on, I was invited to, um, women's breakfasts. Um, the, they had the, like stone, oh, now I'm, now I'm going to be over questioned you say in german stonecroft mm. is i think the name of it it's it's uh, and they had mm. that in austria back then and so they would invite me to they would have a speaker and they would have a music part and i was the music part and i would sing my songs and mm. i had a good friend that still translates my songs to this day because it was important from the very beginning that if i sang english they would have German translated on the overhead. We had overheads back then. No PowerPoint. Oh. That didn't. They didn't. They didn't have. They had the the plastic overheads where yeah. we had to get that. You know, printed out on the sliding, transparencies. Yes. The sliding, sliding right. the slides up. Yep. For that's each, it. Yeah. There mm-hmm. you go. I grew that up with that. And so mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's what we had here, and um, it just went over well. And I and every song has a story. They love ballads. They love the idea mm. of, of every song has a story. They love hearing about the background. And you can sing things about Jesus that, you know, if you preached it, it wouldn't come across very well. And one of the things that I learned from early on is they liked my humor. I didn't know I was funny, but I, I, would, trans, I would introduce some songs and I would use some humor with it. And once they were emotionally open, they seemed to take they, they seemed to listen more to the songs and listen about mm. my my relationship with God. And so yeah, so I and then then it was a, a big a big change. I think it was the beginning of two thousand when one music professor now you gotta understand, so God sent me here, I knew three or four chords, okay, a little bit more than that, but I, I certainly mm. didn't know any of the bar chords. I cheated my way yeah. through, like every most Americans do. Um, <laughs> and and yeah. then they 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 uh, and I I was in a church with with musicians. I mean, this is where Mozart played. I mean, they all, they know, oh they read, goodness. they read notes and they, they know everything. And, and I didn't have any of that. Wow. So the music, the, the, uh, music, musical teacher, professor said, Lisa, you need to make a CD of all of your songs. Uh, every, anyone can make a CD. And I said, yeah, I know anyone can. And I need to know that it's the right time. Well, that's when the Lord brought back my love for project management. Um, cause I love, I love managing a project from beginning to end, you know, saying, okay, what do I need? And so that's what I did uh, for my first CD, got my songs together, and I knew I wanted to use Austrian musicians. So I used the ones Beautiful. that were in my church that were like, excellent. They are just so good. And um, and so that was the first CD, Songs from My Heart. And, uh, and that song, Flower for Today, was on it. And it just, because I wanted something to give people, after a women's breakfast or after some, you know, outreach that I was doing at that time, churches started inviting me to come. They started inviting the, the, the team to come. And there's only been through the years, one or two standard people that have not, has not changed is still there. One is the sound technician. Who's also an incredible musician. He can play anything. Uh, and he is still always doing the, the, uh, the recording and the mixing, uh, you'd love him, Nathan. You need to oh, come yeah. here, Nathan. I he don't is. know if you want to do German, but but it's a great it's a great atmosphere. But Walter Till is one of the best uh, t- sound technicians, and he's a he's a Christian brother, and I just love him to death. And hey, we're coming he's, at the he's end done of all June. Of my... Yeah. Oh, great! Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, let's we'll get together. You. Let's yeah. do something. We will. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was the beginning of the CDs, and my colleague Joe again, to his credit, every couple of years when I would get discouraged because you really get discouraged in the ministry here, you don't see huge fruit. Um, 
he would say, I think it's time to do another CD. And he knew and said, he knew me better than I did back then. I didn't know, yeah, that would be a good idea. I need to have something in the hand. Well, now we don't, you know, who has a CD player? So the last CD is when I decided I'm going to do mostly streaming. And so that's when I decided to uh, upload all of the CDs also on streaming. And that's what I've been doing. Um, mm-hmm. Austrians still like every CD has a booklet with the translation in it. And they Good. really do. Because that's, you know, don't get me started on German and English. A lot of people, a lot of the musicians here, they go, oh, English is the best. And that English, English, English. And I'm the one that holds the holds the line and says, you know what, this is their, this is your mother tongue. And, and so I really want to, it to be translated. Um, and so every, every CD has a booklet with the translation of the songs in it. So, mm. and, and in between that time, I've, I've written some in German now, but German is, is such a complex language that really my strength is, is uh, still English always will be. And I put Definitely. sometimes mel- melodies to the Christian, to the, to the Bible, the Bible passages. And so that's how I, that's how I do German. It's great. Wow. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah, but that was that story. And so, yeah, I I think the last one of the last CDs was a song He Restores My Soul from Psalm 23 and um and I thought what what psalm does every Austrian know? And almost every Austrian knows Psalm 23 because they use it for funerals a lot. Mm. You know, that's like mm. that's a standard. And so I thought I really wanted to write something that they could identify with and yet to try to comp- tried to explain this is yeah. the God who does com- who comforts us. And so, so yeah. he restores my soul was also one of the songs that I wrote uh, for one of my last CDs. So, yeah. 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 But I still don't see myself. I had to learn. I went to Stuttgart a few years after the first CD to learn music theory, believe it or not, because I needed to know how to talk to musicians. I didn't know their language. I didn't know. Right. And so I learned, I learned at least to ask the right questions. Like, you know, what, what key is this going to be in? Are we going to modulate? Yeah. I don't know if you say that in English, but just I had to learn. Mm-hmm. I went back and learned some of the framework that I never learned before uh, to work with yeah. musicians. So I've been doing a lot of discipleship among musicians. And the church that I'm in now is so gifted. We have like a grand piano and here I am with my little guitar. So um, but they, they have me. They they let me lead in worship, and so I'm uh, I'm really enjoying that time in in the local church that I'm in now. Amazing, amazing, and yes. Uh, oh, I was going to ask you. This can be off the record, but do they use the Nashville number system, like for like for chords? Like if it if it if a key is in C, if the key is C, is the do they say for the G that's the five chord? Because that's what we use in yeah, a probably lot of churches for, here. Not, in but not with me. Yeah. Not with okay. me. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're you're in Nashville. Okay. You are at the you know you're at the the, the mecca. Um, yeah. No, what they do, what they have here is they don't have a B minor chord. It's the H minor. They have a, a Austria, not German, but Austria has H minor. They use they have an H chord. Don't, don't 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 oh ask me why. So, so you throw just me have off. The, there's no there's no B minor. It's I mean they know it, but when when an Austrian writes a chord, and if it's a B minor, they'll put Hamel, which is H minor, which wow. really didn't throw me off because I didn't, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know either of that, but I had to learn, I had to learn. Um, and, and I still have my style. My style is much more American folk. And so now I'm playing next to a, you know, grand piano and they're all classically, some of them are classically trained. One guy is jazz. And so Amazing. a lot of our worship has a more of a jazz to it. Um, but my heart is to teach and, and that's the challenge. And I don't know if we'll end with this, but one of the hardest things is you, you come to a country that is highly gifted, um, but the giftedness 
if it's not supported by um, healthy emotion, healthy emotionally, how do you say it? Uh, um, to be healthy emotionally and healthy yeah. spiritually, then um, in the end, it just turns out to be, you know, an incredible gift. Mm. But it's um, but so to that's why discipling is so important. Yeah. And and uh, teaching those things that Jesus taught about humility mm-hmm. and denying, you know, taking up your cross and following him yeah. and what that means and what that looks like. And in a country that is just so highly gifted uh, and, and a perfectionist um, a mentality, um, there's there's a lot of a lot of work to be done in, yeah. in following Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for yeah. uh, joining us today. And um, I would love it if you would end with, you know, what, w- what would you say to the younger generation that is inspired to, um, I guess, pursue mission and go cross-culturally? And mm. what are some lessons that you've learned or maybe some inspiration for us? What, what, would, what would you say? Yeah, thanks. Um, one of the first things I'd say to the older missionaries, because that's what I am, is um, that you can't put an old head on young shoulders. My grandmother always said that. Mm. And uh, when it's time to transfer leadership to the younger generation, um, this old adage from my grandmother comes to mind often. And each person needs to experience their own experience. And this means offering much grace and patience as the apprentice learns. Um, mm. So I guess I'm, I'm more of the old the old head now. Um, but I think that's important for us as, as we're transferring leadership, we've got to be more patient. We've got to be more aware and um, of that. Yeah. You just, the things that we've learned, we had to learn them. We had to go through that. And so the younger generation yeah. has to go through that. They have to go through their learning thing. And for the younger generation yeah. is, is yeah, understand that, you know, it's not easy for us. Um, but we have built on, on the shoulders of, of, a, of godly people behind us. And the younger generation will be building on the shoulders uh, of the people that that went before them, and so just yeah. an understanding for both for both of us. So I think that's what's really important to understand that. Yeah, and I think that's so important that we, as the younger generation, we honor those who have gone before us. And it reminds me of this passage in First Corinthians three, where Paul is just saying, he's just talking about divisions in the church, and uh, he just says in 3.10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one Mm -hmm. take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And then he just goes on to say, if anybody builds a foundation on gold or straw or hay, it's going to be burned up because it's going to be tested by fire. And so... Lisa, thank you for saying yes to mission. Thank you for paving a way for us who are inspired to pursue mission. And thank you for just being faithful day to day and being present. And wherever you are being there, it's such an inspiration to hear your story and to just have you share wisdom with us. And so uh, thank you, thank thank you, thank you. you. And I'd love it if you would. Thank you, Nathan. um, Yeah, of course, of course. Can you close us in prayer? Auf Deutsch, bitte. Sure. Ah, auf Deutsch. <laughs> okay. Well, good thing that the Holy Spirit will translate. Yeah. Good. I'll have to change gears, but I'll do my best. Himmlischer Vater, es ist ein Vorrecht, zu dir zu kommen, auf Deutsch. Aber das war nicht meine Muttersprache. 
Danke für deine Führung in meinem Leben. Danke für deine Liebe zu mir. Danke, dass du mich bei der Hand genommen hast und Schritt für Schritt mir gezeigt, dein Herz für die Österreicher, aber mehr als das. Du hast mir dein Herz gezeigt und ich danke dir dafür. Segne Nathan, segne alle Leute, die jungen Leute, die möchten kommen. Ähm, ja, ja. Dein Reich komme, dein Wille geschehe, wie im Himmel so auf Erden. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Why Europe podcast by Greater Europe Mission, where we believe if we can reach Europe with the gospel, we can reach the world. You can join us weekly for prayer, give to specific ministries, or you can serve with us. Visit gemission.org for more information. I just want to say, if you are feeling pulled, if you've been to Europe on vacation and you're interested in serving with us, Yeah, visit the link in our bio, gemission.org. You never know what God can do through a short-term experience. Just like Lisa's story, God can use a short-term journey to change your life forever. Until next time.